parents and extended families who are here. And Lord, we thank you for our children downstairs and in the nursery. We thank you for those who minister in those areas. And we pray, Lord, that all of us in this building, within the sound of my voice, would grow in the knowledge and the grace and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word today. Thank you that we are blessed with it uh, printed in our own heart language, that we can own as many copies as uh, we would like. And Lord, may we be a people of your word, a people who are dedicated to reading your word and uh, seeking to understand it in the power of your spirit. And Lord, we thank you for this church family, and we thank you for your faithfulness through the decades, for your establishing this church, for the people that you use to do so. And Lord, as you keep us going along here, Lord, may we recognize your faithfulness. We thank you for our country and the freedom we enjoy to meet in this place, and we thank you that we can meet without fear of persecution. Uh, We know, Lord, there are difficult times that we live in, and yet, Lord, we thank you for the great grace you've given to us, and we think of brothers and sisters in Christ and other places in the world who are suffering for their faith. And, Lord, we just uh, pray for them and pray they would be encouraged and persevere. And thank you, Lord, for uh, your word today. And I pray for clarity of speech and that all of us would have listening ears and that uh, you would uh, just use this text today for your honor and glory, that you would apply it as you see fit. And we praise you and thank you for it. Thank you for this morning, and we thank you for each one here. In Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome. We are glad you are here with us worshiping today. Uh, As uh, Dave said, we're doing a study, a short study in the book of Proverbs, Uh, a little bit different approach. Today we're going to be talking about justice, and uh, the flip side of that is injustice, of course. And at a conference in London uh, some years ago, uh, it was entitled the Who is My Neighbor Conference, uh, South African Desmond Tutu spoke, and these are some of his words, and I'm quoting him. He said, there's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. If you want to keep people subjugated, the last thing you place in their hands is a Bible. Unquote. And of course, he's well acquainted with oppression and injustice. And yet we come today to this passage in the book of Proverbs. We are studying a short passage in chapter 6 of Proverbs. You take your copy of God's Word and turn to chapter 6, and we are using it really as a launch pad to understand some of the other uh, things that God has said in the book of Proverbs. Solomon, of course, is the primary author of of Proverbs, and yet there are some others also. In chapter 5, he says, My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. And he goes on to detail how to live out a practical faith in a very ugly world, essentially. Uh, And this whole issue of justice comes to light as uh, God is... Uh, he hates certain things. We often don't think of God's hatred. We think of his love. We think of the infinite character of his love, grace, and mercy. And yet uh, the Bible teaches us that God's hatred is infinite. 
And this is disconcerting for us, disconcerting, because we live in a culture that is tolerant or seemingly tolerant, the tolerance movement of all viewpoints. And so when we talk about God's hatred, it sounds very intolerant to our ear. Also, we tend to equate human emotional hatred with God's hatred, which uh, we are a reflection a bit, and yet there's an issue that God is pure in his hatred. He is holy in his hatred. In chapter 6, he is uh, outlining in Proverbs here three different types of evil men or immoral people. And uh, in verse 1, he talks about one who has basically put himself under and in obligation to others. If you are surety to another, chapter 6, 1. Chapter 6, verse 6, he addresses the lazy man. Here it's called sluggard. Uh, oh, sluggard. And in chapter 6, verse 12, the wicked man. And he goes on to detail each one of those immoral people. And he summarizes it in verses 16 through 19. And in these verses, he describes that there are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven things which are an abomination to him. Uh, that uh, construction in the Hebrew language is, uh, means that this is not an exhaustive list. It's not just these seven things. And we've been going through them, taking one item a week. One of the good things that God values and we often don't think of hatred as a value, but God has a value here that he's stating. And we're looking at the negative value, which is stated in these verses. And then the flip side of that, what does God say positively about this issue? And we, in last uh, few weeks, we've looked at the first two, the seven which are an abomination to him. Uh, and he uses our physical bodies as a mnemonic, an ability to memorize. He uses our our, our tongue, he uses our eyes, he uses our hands, he uses our heart and our feet. And this was a way for the early Hebrews to memorize scripture was when they could uh, associate the text because not all Hebrews had access to the scrolls. They would hear these read and then they would memorize them. Israel had a great oral tradition throughout its history. But in verse 17, it tells us that God hates, or these are an abomination to him, haughty eyes. That means the prideful look. We looked at that in week one. And, of course, the physical, outward physical characteristic, a prideful look, is simply a reflection of a prideful heart. And this is an abomination to God. And that leads to a lying tongue. And we talked about being a truth teller. And today, hands that shed innocent blood. And we will... Look at that very briefly here this morning. And then the heart. The heart devises wicked plans and feet that run rapidly to evil. So he uses five misused body parts here. And then two antisocial actions. If you look at verse 8, 19, a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. So these seven items are an abomination to God. And it's important to understand that. Uh, as we look at the book of Proverbs in our introductory passage, we talked about the very purpose in chapter 1, uh, which is twofold for the book of Proverbs. And, of course, uh, if you've been a Christian long and you've been in the book of Proverbs, you know that the central uh, theme is the theme of wisdom, how to live wisely, how to have vertical awareness in a horizontal culture or society for horizontal living. It is the most practical book in the Old Testament. I must say that again, that we can read it and glean truths for our lives and have them applied 
on a daily basis. And I was talking to one lady this morning, and she's in the practice of reading one chapter of Proverbs a day every month, or every day for a month. And that way you cover the book of Proverbs as part of her devotion. And it's, it's a good exercise to do. But the purpose of the book of Proverbs in verses 2 through 6 of chapter 1 is twofold to impart moral discernment and discretion, and secondly, to develop mental clarity and perception. The words wisdom and instruction occur over and over again in the book of Proverbs, and they complement one another because wisdom, the Hebrew word there, means skill. And we talk about skillful living, and the word instruction means discipline. And I've said it in the past, you do not develop a skill without discipline to practice for the skill. I have friends who are very accomplished musicians. I am not, because I did not have the discipline to practice the skill, even though my mother tried, you know. All I wanted to do was play the drums, and they wouldn't let me do that. And so the trumpet and the piano were out for me, too. Uh, so uh, that is the, the, the skill and the discipline for godly living. It's called practical righteousness, and that's what we're about here this summer. And so we come to the key verse in chapter 1, verse 7. Remember it in Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And that is the key verse of the whole book. And so the rest of it is the teaching and, and the, the Solomon takes the role of a father who's instructing a son. Now, it could have literally been one of Solomon's sons, or it could have been just uh, learners, if you will. And we are all learners. I hope you are a lifelong learner. And so we are learning together. And so when he addresses my son, give attention to my wisdom, that means all of us, uh, sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to these seven abominations or these seven things that God hates. And again, they're a launch pad of, uh, of these, this message, this series. So we cover some of the book of Proverbs. These uh, seven things, these misused body parts and antisocial actions are characterized by self-assertiveness, by malice, by violence, and they break the bond of confidence between people. And each one affects the ruin of its victims. They will boomerang and ruin the troublemaker, as we've seen. Uh, in one of the commentaries on this passage, especially on the hands that shed innocent blood, is Dr. Bruce Waltke. And uh, he is probably one of the premier Old Testament scholars and Hebrew uh, language people. But he writes this, Contempt for others and for the sanctity of their reputation is but a step away from contempt for the sanctity of life itself. That is a serious sentence because we can all look at this and we say, oh, I've never murdered anyone because when it says hands that shed innocent blood is talking about murder, basically. And we can say, ah, I've never done that. And yet there is a broader application here. And it's the whole issue of justice and injustice. And Waltke says that contempt for others, and just as Dave was talking today about our attitude towards other people, people who may not know Jesus as Savior, people who offend us in the marketplace, in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, uh, we are very easily can have contempt for others. And sadly, even Christians can have contempt for one another. And the sanctity of their reputation is but a step away from contempt for the sanctity of life today. Of course, we live in a world that has a lot of injustice 
All you have to do, and I don't, know, I don't think it's a blessing that we have 24-7 news feeds. Uh, I used to be a, a newsaholic. You know, I would check the news in the morning and in the afternoon and the evening and watch the news and everything. Uh, for some reason, this last year has soured me on watching the news. I don't know why. But uh, anyway, we just see a lot of injustice, don't we? Uh, Gary Haugen, who is the president and founder of International Justice Mission, and I would encourage you to look up their website. I've heard him speak in Chicago a number of times. But International Justice Mission, their goal is to eradicate slave trade and sexual trafficking in our world. And they've had a tremendous impact in Southeast Asia, in India, and around the world, even in our own country. And Gary Haugen is very passionate about it. But he writes these words, It should be difficult to read the Gospels without being overwhelmed by the force of Jesus' social concern. Whether it's the adulterous woman, the good Samaritan, or Jesus commanding us to love our neighbor as ourselves, Jesus both models and commands active concern for our neighbor's well-being. This involves more than a bless-your-heart moment, he writes, uh, or an honorable but distant charity. James 2, verses 15 through 17, the apostle articulates the insufficiency of well-wishing without action. Listen to James 2, 15 through 17. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. The world is full of injustice in our hearts and minds, and we need to be awakened to God's call and to his character that he is a God of justice unquote, from Gary Haugen. And I was thinking as I looked and did uh, searches and word studies through Scripture, and one uh, passage, a couple passages jumped out at me on this whole issue of justice and uh, hands that shed innocent blood, which the broader application is the whole issue of injustice in our world. Isaiah 30, verse, uh, th- chapter 30, verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you, for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. And then in Micah 6, 8, very familiar passage to most of us. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, obviously, we get overwhelmed when we read the news and we see things that happen around the world and the massive injustice that the people are experiencing. And yet, the key is, is what am I responsible for? What comes across my path? What does the Holy Spirit bring across my field of vision that I can do something about? And that's for each one of us to determine and to have our antenna up to say, what can we do? Last week, we had Stan Harrell here with us, one of our missionaries. He was with Mission Discovery and greatly involved in uh, kind of social justice endeavors throughout the world, uh, Latin America, Haiti, and had some great stories about how God has used those things. It's more than building somebody a house or providing them with a meal, but it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Isaiah says, God is a God of justice, Uh, when those things are right in front of us. So God's values in negative form are the hands that shed innocent 
blood. Proverbs uh, chapter 1, 11 through 14, which Dave read for us, is a severe warning uh, about uh, the, art- where the, 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 the Solomon articulates the danger for especially young people to join in the world and this lack of justice movement. Uh, Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds man blood by his blood shall be shed for the image of God he has made man. Everybody we see is made in the image of God. And everybody we run across, and whether they be offensive, against us, whatever, they are still made in the image of God. And uh, God hates hands that shed innocent blood. Listen to other Proverbs. We're just sticking to the book of Proverbs about what God talks about with injustice. Uh, There's a whole study you could do on the Old Testament term blood guiltiness. Uh, but there is a responsibility that we have. Proverbs 13.23, and I would just invite you to jot these down if you want to look at them later, or if you have really fast hands, you can turn the pages or swipe the screen so that you can get there. Uh, Proverbs 13.23, Abundant food is in the fallow ground of the poor, but it is swept away by injustice. Proverbs 16.8, Better a little righteousness, better, excuse me, better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. By the way, this is uh, probably one of the movements uh, uh, south of the border especially uh, where it seems like there is great disparity between wealth and the poor. Proverbs 17.23 A wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to pervert the ways of justice. Proverbs 19.28. I like this translation. A rascally witness makes a mockery of justice. A rascally witness. I don't know if if they do that down at the court now. A rascally witness. Uh, Makes a mockery of justice and the mouth of the wicked spread iniquity. Proverbs 28.16, a leader who is a great oppressor lacks understanding, but he who hates unjust gain will prolong his days. Proverbs 29.27, an unjust man is abominable to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way way is abominable to the wicked. Uh, If you are upright and just in your character and in your daily activities, there will be people who hate you. Bottom line, there will be people who uh, despise you and oppose you if you stand for righteousness. Remember, we're talking about justice, and you think of that great theological term of justification. We are declared righteous by a righteous, holy God. And it tells us, as Isaiah did, that God is a God of justice, and in his justice, tempered with his love, he provided the Lord Jesus Christ who took our penalty, his just penalty for sin. And he gives us, in his loving kindness, his grace, for whosoever will can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And we are justified. We are declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. And so this justice pervades us as Christians. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are justified before a righteous, holy God, not because of anything you have done or I have done, but all because of what Jesus Christ has done. Yeah, 
isn't it great? We are called to speak the truth. Christians have been called to speak the truth in love. We've talked about that with the issue of God hates lying lips, and we're going to even get to it more when it talks about uh, in uh, the last one here, a false witness who utters lies. But Christians are called to speak the truth in love. And that command bears itself out in tone, in focus, in substance, in social and political outreach. We have lived through a very divisive era and are living through a very divisive era politically. And are we contributing to the divisiveness or are we contributing to a redemptive nature in this nation, within our community, within our families, within uh, wherever you find yourself, your arena of influence? Social justice has has the gospel at its center, is active and redemptive. It liberates us both from oppressive society and our own personal depravity. It dismantles injustice and speaks the truth no matter how unpopular and sees our natural desires for what they are, flawed and deceptive. A church that actively embraces compassion and conviction in the public square will find itself emerging from the clouds of apathy, rage, and rage with an exceptional message for a world gone wrong. So the question is, is are we contributing to the national dialogue in a negative way? Or are we being redemptive and being peacemakers in that discussion wherever we find ourselves? So what are God's values in positive form? What's the flip side of God hates hands that shed innocent blood? Or what is the flip side of God hates injustice in the world? Well, we see in Proverbs uh, a number of instructions, a number of insights into the positive side of this. Proverbs 1.3, right there in the purpose statement of Proverbs. We are to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Justice and equity. Proverbs 2, I'm going to read a, a little bit longer passage here because I think it's so good. Proverbs 2, 1 through 12a. Uh, turn a page back to that. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, Make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. Let me stop there and say that that is an act of the will. Uh, That is an act of the will. Notice the verbs there. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. That's a decision that you make. Incline your heart to understanding. You've got to have a desire to learn what God loves and what God hates. For if you cry, if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard your understanding and you, understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. In other words, vertical awareness for horizontal life. We're all in this world. We're all in this culture, in this society. We engage it every day. And yet God is guiding the paths and guarding the paths of justice. Proverbs 8.15, 
By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. I was thinking about that, and I am thankful I have no desires to be a ruler, you know, in a nation. There is a heavy weight of responsibility that they will answer for from God himself. When you read passages like that about our presidents, about uh, people who lead nations around the world, Proverbs 8.20, this is a personification of wisdom. If you're familiar with Proverbs, it takes on a human form almost. It's, uh, wisdom says, I walk in the way of righteousness in the path of justice. I think deep down we're all designed for justice. We want justice. We know when things, intuitively we know when things are wrong. And we want to make them right. Now it may be corrupted by our own desires, our own flesh, but yet... Intuitively, I think most human beings, many human beings, know when something is wrong and want to make it right. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 8. The king who sits on the throne of justice disperses all evil with his eyes. Proverbs 21, 3. To do righteousness and justice, it is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? You know, of course, the sacrificial system in Israel was, was the pinnacle point of worship to go sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, God tells us here that uh, just leave your sacrifices alone. You've got to practice righteousness and justice. Proverbs 21.7, the violence of the wicked will drag them away because they refuse to act with justice. Proverbs 21.15, the exercise of justice is joy for the righteous. Isn't that interesting? When you know that you're doing what God wants you to do and it's a, a, a just cause and you see it happen, that justice reigns, it should be a joy for the righteous. Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice. All we have to do is look in the news and see what the latest atrocities ISIS has done in Syria or in Iraq. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Proverbs 29.4, the king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. And then finally, Proverbs 29.26, many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. I read an interesting news article. It came out of Prague. And there was a woman named there, Vera, a woman there uh, named Vera Cermak, and she learned that her husband had betrayed her in their marriage. And she was so distraught and despondent that she decided to jump out of her third-story apartment window, which she did. The newspaper in Prague reported that Mrs. Cernak was recovering in the hospital after landing on her husband, who was killed. So... <laughs> There's an aspect that justice is served. You know, Jesus Christ, God is a God of justice. And that illustrates just a minor point that all things will be made right. And I don't know how that works. I have my own marginal readings, but, but uh, I'm not sure how Jesus is going to make all things right because we are overwhelmed with a world that is unjust, a world that is oppressive in a sense. And we are greatly blessed where we live that it's not like that. So God hates hands that are unjust and values justice. And so we each seek our own heart and search our own heart 
Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal those things. Where am I contributing to justice or where am I contributing to injustice? In January 1941, uh, Viorel Trifa, who was a leader of the Nazi-sponsored student movement in Romania, uh, participated in the slaughter of over 1,000 Jews in Bucharest. There was an American Jewish dentist, Charles Krimer, who heard the name and vowed to remember it. Trifa disappeared after the war and then materialized as a Roman Romanian Orthodox churchman in America, becoming a bishop in 1952. He later became a citizen and an archbishop. Charles Krimer uh, sent letters to congressmen and columnists seeking justice for Trifa's crimes with no results. He sent photocopies of anti-Semitic documents signed by Trifa and the 1941 Romanian trial proceedings in which Trifa was condemned to life imprisonment at hard labor and the names of eyewitnesses who had seen Trifa take part in the slaughter, but nothing came of all of this. Krimer, Krimer poured out his story to the U.S. attorney in 1972. Again, promised action failed to come, and more years passed and no success. In 1979, Krimer and others went to Washington, walked the streets with placards, and chained themselves to the White House gates. Arrested, they were put on television, and they were able to tell their story. Suddenly, this story became worldwide news, and the action quickly came. Trifa, Verorel Trifa, the war criminal, was stripped of his citizenship as a prelude to deportation proceedings. This one man, this Jewish dentist, Charles Krimer, relentlessly pursued a criminal and brought him to justice. And we feel we can, can accomplish nothing significant because we are only one person, unknown and unable. Charles Krimer, you need to ask him if it makes a difference. The difference is perseverance, unyieldingness, and a purpose to make sure that justice is served. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fact that you hate hands that shed innocent blood, that you are a God of justice, and you have called us to be a people of justice because we have received your just decree that the Lord Jesus Christ took our place and that because of that, we are given salvation, that we are justified before you, not because of us, but because of Christ. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And yes, Lord, we thank you that you are all powerful and working all things out for your glory and for the good of your people. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.